You have just been invaded by... Hey there guys, this is DJ Slope from Slope's Game Room and you're listening to Slope's Cast, the retro gaming news show recorded live on Twitch with my co-host Grizzly Cryden. If you like the podcast and you want to be in a chance to be on a future episode, then please do consider becoming a Patreon or YouTube member. And if you have any particular news stories that you would like us to cover in a future episode, then please do let us know in the dedicated rooms over on Discord. Plus, if you are listening to the podcast on any of the many podcast services around the world, then please do give us a little review. It really does help us spread our wings and get into the earlobes of plenty of other podcast goers. Anyway, enough of the plugs. Let's get on with the show. Hey there, guys. Welcome to Slopes Cast episode. I feel like I need to say what episode it is, but we've been doing it for about a year. So maybe episode 50? Two weeks. Two, Two weeks, weeks away. Ooh. I don't think we're on episode 50 yet, in fact. Um, I think it will be in two weeks. Lovely. We missed a couple last year, didn't we? So. Yeah, we missed a couple for Christmas and whatever. But it's all good. It's all good. We're here right now, and we're here to talk about several retro gaming related topics six in fact plus a few more as usual and as usual let's get the awesome mr grizzly cryden in to explain these six topics take it away okay so this week on the slopes cast we have retro man caves novel physical game solution for mr fpga um definitely want to check out if you are that in between phase but we'll go into that mm-hmm. um then we dial d for doom in the new bunny years way to play uh doom um we talk psvr2 sega pledging to ditch nfts due to fan backlash and then we have crazy taxi which could have been released on n64 mm. and then lastly we look at utterly bonkers project where a game boy advance has become a tiger handheld and then we talk about the and the rest, and the rest as well. So yeah, there's quite a few topics to be getting through here. And uh, as Grizzly said, the first topic up tonight is RMC The Cave, formerly known as Retro Man Cave, doing this. Now, for people out there that are listening in and not watching, um, uh, Mr. RMC The Cave, Neil, has actually done a brilliant job with his new Mr. Uh, uh, project, uh, releasing technically kind of like his own console. We were talking about this before it was slightly announced. Um, I think I may be in line to be getting one of these things, possibly doing a little review for the channel. We will see, we will see. Um, but yeah, he's come up with a solution where basically you scan the barcode on the back of the box with a typical scanner that you would get at a shop. And that is the way you can actually load up the games. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool little novel idea that he came up with. And, and, and an idea that I'm... It's, it's such an obvious, cool idea. How has someone not thought of it before? That's like the first thing that comes to my man, mind great idea how has this not been done before yeah i i'm absolutely dumbfounded when i first saw this i was like going yes that is that is the way to do it because mm-hmm. um after speaking to uh neil uh just for a couple of lines just as we were um as as i discovered this news yep um he said that this is a project he's been working on which will work with both mr fpga systems and raspberry pi so this is like a 
alternate way in which to switch for your emulation library. Now, one of the biggest problems I have with emulation libraries is that you can load up with all of the ROMs that you want. I mean, let's just face it, it's not hard to do. But the problem I have is that whenever I see a list of games, there's very little chance of me actually sitting down and playing any one of them. Mm -hmm. I like having that physical, um, as you can see. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that physical um, like library, as it were. So that I can, um, you know, take a game off the shelf, put it into the console, and then I've committed to something. This yeah. is like a really great solution to make that happen on devices that no longer accept cartridges. I yeah. think it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I, I need to have this in my life. Um, You've got Salad Snake here in the chat saying it seems utterly pointless uh, to him. And you know what? You're not wrong. It is a kind of yeah. a pointless thing to do, um, but it's it's a weird middle ground, isn't it, between it? I mean, I, I have an entire, uh, up until the last few releases, uh, um, every single Disney and Pixar film ever made on Blu-ray and if not on DVD, yet I still watch them on Disney+. Plus. You know what I mean? And, and it's the same as this. I mean, I've got a uh, Mega SG behind me with a Mega SD in it, which is uh, kind of like an Ever EverDrive for people that don't know. Every single Mega Drive game on that, every single uh, uh, Mega CD game on that, and but still, I own a, a, a crazy amount of Mega Drive games, as you can probably believe. Yet I still, most of the time, you know, I'm browsing through and I just play it like that. This is some kind of middle ground between the two, where you somehow get to take your physical game and put it into your EverDrive. It, it, it's a weird thing to do. Um, it's it's novel. It's a bit gimmicky, but it. It's a cool gimmick. It's a very exciting gimmick. In my mind, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's quite cool. I mean, it kind of like, I know it sounds really silly and a bit, uh, yeah, I, I like it because it's going to be polarizing, isn't it? I mean, people yeah. who have emulation libraries who have been playing those retro games for years and years on end um, will look at this and go, well, that's just emulation with added steps, right? I mean, mm -hmm. but for, for people like me who really appreciate that, like pulling off the off the shelf experience this is mm -hmm. like perfect for me and it's really it seems really sim simple to set up and i'm i'm, I'm not gonna like uh make neil's head swell up or anything but could you imagine if there was like a modern retro system that to verify that you have say some sort of ownership of a title in which to play a game and they just included one of these little IR scanners for barcodes. Imagine if that would open up every like retro game on there for you that you own. I to me that sounds really really cool. Um, and it opens up the possibility for barcode battlers, which Mike has been talking about in the chat. Um, <laughs> emulating barcode battlers. <laughs> yeah, so that, that'd be kind of cool. I tell you what I think it's like, and 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 obviously that's not a slate to you, Sadder Snake, by the way, at all, because I can understand why why some people would think this is pointless. I'm just you know pointing it out. There's the first comment I saw like it. Uh, another example of it is this system that I've got right here. I love this little emulation system that I have got here called the Retro Freak. But what people don't know about this beautiful system, the Retro Freak, is this. Everything you see here isn't the console. This little bit at the back is the console. This is essentially what you can put into there. You can put a little um, uh, SD card. Wow, I've got an SD card in there. Oh, wow. Oh, and it's Naughty. just thrown out. I'm probably going to be running over that and destroying it. I've generally just lost an SD card somewhere. Oh, no, here it is. Uh, I had a 32 gig SD card in there. That's cool. So, um, 
Yeah, you, you, you put SD cards on there, all of that, or you can have all of this big bit that attaches to it so you can put the cartridge in. Um, and it's pointless because all it's doing is just emulating it onto this. So my, my, my ROM file will be absolutely no different than if I put a real cartridge into this slot. Um, but, you know, some people like to do that. And I think that this is a cool new solution that, again, I'm just very, yeah. very surprised. No one's um, uh, ever done anything like this before. It's, it's, it's a very cool, simple idea. And fair play to old RMC for, for thinking it. I don't think anyone's done this before. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, but that's fast yeah. I, first I've seen it. I mean, um, as Chev Matic mentions in the chat, um, if he owned a retro video game store, he would want this setup to be able to let customers try before they buy. I would. It would be completely remiss if we went to, say, like a, a EGX or one of the upcoming tray, uh, gaming shows and saw the retro stand and they didn't have this setup now. Because it just makes sense, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You look at that, that copy of Chester Cheetah on Mega Drive and you're wondering, is it that bad? You give it a go and go, you know what? I want to take this home with me. In, that, that, that's going to make you money, as far as I'm concerned. That's a very but, good yeah. point. Yeah, very good point. That's, uh, that's a very good point, actually. That would be really, really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, if I was, if I was owning a retro game shop, I'd be all over this. And, and he's put it into his retro game shop part of his new museum as well, so... Maybe that was the plan all along, eh? Who knows? But well done, RMC. Well done, Neil. Uh, good job, as per usual. And um, yeah, I, I love you doing it with Mega Drive games. Sonic 2 of all games as well. The most popular game for the Mega Drive, besides Sonic 1. I think, was it number 1 or 2? I think it was number 2, wasn't it? Second. Uh, Sonic 2, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it but, yeah. was the second most popular game for the system, I believe. So it's, from what I understand, it works very, relatively simply. So the, the barcode scanner is not an expensive piece of kit. You see those kind of scanner heads all the time. Mm -hmm. You can probably get USB ones for um, for Marketplace, you know, just being able to connect up to phones and what have you. And then it mm -hmm. just selects from a database of barcodes. Uh, so you input the barcodes. It probably takes a bit of setting up to do. Of course, I'm sure, you know, if this if this became a thing, there you go, twenty pound barcode scanner Lovely. sorted, just a USB thing, um, and then it just pulls from that Excel document or what have you that you create, and uh, yeah, you you start playing your games. It's that simple. It seems. It is, yeah, yeah, it does, I love it. it. Does seem to be, yeah. It's it, it's such a bonkers idea. Oh, I've actually skipped forward a few things there. You have, yeah. You're good it's, at it's, this. It's a it's a bonkers uh, idea, and I but I, yeah, I, I it, it it's cool. It's gimmicky, and I like it. There you go. I can see a purpose for it, and that's why I like it. Yeah, that's it. I, I, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think of the purpose. Um, I just thought of it as a cool gimmick until you mentioned it, and uh, yeah, I'm all for it mm. now. I like it. Yeah, and there we go. Nothing but a good thing. Yeah, nothing but a good thing. Definitely, nothing but a good thing. Uh, insert soundbite here when I eventually get round to doing that. Moving maybe on, on the to anniversary. Topic. <laughs> yeah, maybe two weeks time. That, that's my that's my target to get this done. Definitely. Yeah. So moving over to topic number two, you can sort of see the things I'm looking up on AliExpress. Um, thankfully, nothing too raunchy or rude. Um, but you can also see uh, a Kotaku article um, where they report that a man has invented possibly the worst way to play Doom. Now, this reminds me of an old Lee Evans joke um, where he says about the worst, uh, got to be one of the worst numbers for the emergency service was 999. When you have <laughs> one of those old rotary numbers, you know, make it all the way around, nine 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 oh sorry he's already dead you know <laughs> it takes so long to ring 999 well now you can use a rotary phone to actually play doom yeah i don't know if why you want, you want to do this 
I, I I don't know why you'd want to do this, but hey. Now this um, is officially a gimmick. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> he's having to dial like four to walk forward. Mm-hmm. And Andy Norton, the question that comes from Andy Norton is why? Um but why though? There there is no re- rhyme or reason when it comes to the Doom community. In fact It's because they're running out of things to 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 have Doom work on or be played by. And yet, there's still not a Master System version, as I've... Uh, as <laughs> oh I've my god, for. really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why besmirch... No way, Master that can't System. be real. <laughs> Is that a real thing? There's no Master I, System Doom? I, I have yet to see one. Mar- Doom, Ma- see Doom Sega Master System Homebrew. I don't know if this is a joke. It might be a joke. <laughs> it might be a joke. Yeah, this is just pictures of Knuckles. Okay, yeah, it, it, it's a joke. Um, okay, I was quite surprised about that. Okay, fair enough. But anyway, you can now... Along with playing it with a piano and playing it in ATM, you you can now play Doom with a rotary phone, as in one of those phones where you have to spin round the dial at five. The, the higher the number, the longer the twist. And um, yeah, certain numbers are signed to go forward and 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 open doors and shoot the gun and things like that. Uh, it's would be impossible to play, uh, but hey, you can. Maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe I'll try it out on a live stream one day. I, I, I literally have to buy a rotary phone and all the connections to connect it up. It sounds like such a ball ache. I did see that uh, on someone's setup with a rotary phone. They had uh, the shooting action was actually lifting and dropping the receiver, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. But uh, very, very cool. again, I, again, we were talking about barcode scanners for physical games being pointless. I would argue that this takes the uh, takes the cake for pointlessness. And uh, we um, let's have a look. Adam Cowood over on YouTube actually asked, has anyone ever pl- put Doom on a TomTom? Just looked it up, and yes, Doom yeah. is on a TomTom. <laughs> is there a website that chronicles everything you can play Doom on? I, if I not, need to find this. If not, like that's a YouTube video in the making. It really is. Because, I mean, everyone knows the obvious stuff. Like, it's been ported to systems it, it has no right to be on, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, actually detailing all of the really obscure things like a rotary phone and a piano that'd be an interesting video because there's got to be a hundred things surely yeah so apparently there is a mantra to all of this um the what you really need to ask is can it control doom and if so then yes you can play doom on it so uh this was in response to whether doom could be played on a toaster which I can totally believe because there's like four buttons usually on a toaster. Yeah, I was about to say there's only up and down, but there's not, is there? There's more than that. Then you then I can imagine that the plunger, down yeah. with a shoot. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Ah, fair play, fair play. Well, there you go. Um, Doom uh, on a phone. It exists. It doesn't need to exist. It's stupid it exists, but I'm glad it exists. And it's probably the best phone version of Doom. <laughs> don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, right. Let's move on to a little bit more modern news here. Yeah. Do you, PSVR. um, yeah, PSVR 2. Now, I watched the little briefing where he says, and I can finally reveal the name of the follow up. The name, the follow up PlayStation VR is going to be PlayStation VR 2. And people are standing up and taking pictures of the logo. And it's like, mate. The most imaginatively named product that PlayStation come out with was the Vita. Everything else has been like followed by numerics. <laughs> oh my just... god, yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up Vita, actually. I forgot that as one of the names. But everything PlayStation bring out is boring. I mean, I, I love them as a company, and I don't think they can ever change from it now. 
because it'd be weird if they stopped this and they didn't do a PlayStation 6. And it's definitely better than Xbox, where you had Xbox 360, One. Uh, what? Yeah. But, um, but, I actually uh, bought into the One idea. I thought that was kind of clever. I, I, I wasn't. I wanted to hurt someone. It's the way like, the way they they name their operating operating systems. Where it was like seven, eight. Didn't they miss nine? You had uh, I I I'm all over the place. The v, uh, the Vista. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Windows three point one as well. That's what one of the. Let, first me, let me try and find out Win- Windows, Windows <laughs> operating. I just take me back to a time when when consoles had cool names: Mega Drive and and Dreamcast and and. You know, cool the the Game Boy, and it was just really cool names, really really cool names, and just Xbox on its own was cool as its first was thing. It? I think what? the first one Xbox make, and it made sense because it was the, the whole DirectX thing. But like, how much did you think the guy who uh, came up with the name Xbox got paid for that idea? Because you know the answer, I, I I reckon they just went right. Uh, oh, it's, it's it's a box with an X on it. Oh my god xbox no it, i mean it had his history with <laughs> with uh what do you call it with, with direct x yeah there is that yeah uh all right next put in a box we shall call it the xbox yeah i'm I, trying I to know. find the, the, the silly image and where they, they they basically you know microsoft can't count so it goes 95 98 me nt 2000 xp vista 7 8 8.1 10 and now 11 <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, well, you, it's you didn't even mention Windows three point one, which was the first oh, like, yeah, proper course, Windows like browser, um, and then mm-hmm. DOS before that. You know, it's just oh god, yeah, crazy stuff. It makes they 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 change the rules every time. I feel that's it. I found the proper meme now. There it is. There it is up on the screen for everyone. My name is Bill Gates. And today I'll teach you how to count to 10. 1, 2, 3, 95, 98, NT, 2000, XP, Vista, 7, 8, 10. <laughs> I'm not Wait, looking to look at the one below it, the Windows 9. Right, okay, I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, the unimaginatively named PlayStation VR 2 is coming. Um, and uh, the specs look pretty, pretty sexy. They look yeah. nice. They so look this, nice. this, this, the, the, the link in the uh, the one the one that he's showing right now um, shows a really good rundown of what we're actually looking at here. So I think the real uh, thing that people are getting really excited about is the fact that we've got two OLED screens, both of which were 4K, uh, beamed right into your eye, uh, your eye socket. Um, field of view could be better. Uh, if this all means anything to you, stop me if it doesn't. Um, yeah, the field of view, basically, for people listening, is ever so slightly less uh, than the Valve Index. The Valve Index is winning on 130 degrees. Uh, and... To be fair, the Valve Index is a grand. So Yeah. I mean, who knows what this is going to come out of. The original PSVR was not a cheap piece of kit. Uh, a lot less than a grand, but still not cheap. Uh, I reckon this will cost you £450. That is my prediction. Yeah. And we'll get yeah. on to the fact of people are actually going to spend that. But you've got... Um, yeah, so you obviously need a PlayStation 5 to run this. Um, interestingly, because it puts it, all these stats up against other uh, uh, VR headsets, including its own PSVR, um, it doesn't say that you need the PlayStation camera this time around. Um, you don't. It's a single cable, and it's got inside-out tracking. That's what the tracking thing's all about. Ooh. So thankfully, you do not need a camera, uh, which is the main reason I would buy one. Interesting, interesting. So you've got um, headphone jack in there, uh, as opposed to any kind of built-in speakers, which I'm actually for. I prefer the whole um, uh, having properly jacked-in headphones. 
Yeah, bring uh, inside out tracking, like you said there, up to 120 hertz. The valve index is still winning there on 144 hertz. Um, an OLED screen instead of an LCD screen. And um, yeah, there's not really much else to say. Oh, oh no, actually, there is one other thing eye tracking. Uh, yes, none of the others have. Um, so the only thing that I have or I've ever used that has eye tracking is the uh, Nintendo 3DS, like the later revisions of the 3DS. And it is when you actually pick that up for anyone that hasn't ever played a 3DS with the eye tracking, it is quite mind blowing. You can never show it to anyone because it breaks because when another head comes on, it doesn't know what it's doing uh, in the field of view. But you know, that almost, that's never going to happen. Really playing VR games on, 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 uh, sorry, 3d games on a, um, uh, 3ds, the later models is incredible. So this is where the field of view thing comes into question, because when you bring eye tracking into the equation, you get a little bit more movement than you mm-hmm. would typically get from a, a normal field of view. This is where it becomes a bit interesting. So um, I've used a device called uh, Toby Eye Tracker, and it's really good. Well, basically, it's like a little camera sensor array that goes on top of your monitor, and mm-hmm. it allows it to track where your eye position is in relation to the screen. So being able to see like uh, little elements there, and you get like a, sometimes you get like a little bubble which shows... Um, where you're looking uh, in some games that can mean like looking over to your left means that the screen shifts to your left a little bit so you can get a bit more of a natural view great for games like uh, assassin's creed and what have you uh, because you get that bit more peripheral vision mm-hmm. now when it comes to vr games i feel like that's going to make uh, object selection a bit easier and you can imagine playing an adventure game where you're actually actively looking around the landscape and then when your eyes actually focus on something in the distance, you know, it might come up with that little prompt saying, this is something you need to pick up. So that's just like one little idea of how that can work. So eye tracking's, you know, kind of exciting in a, in a way. It really is, yeah. Um, in, in, in ways that might be taken, would just be taken for granted, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's nice to have. It's, a, it's definitely a nice to have feature. Um, my concern is whether this will allow you to play all of the old PSVR games on it because yeah, I, I if they don't it would be stupid they yeah. have to yeah i'm sure there's ways in which developers will be able to shift to the new like control setup and maybe improve on older games but i am concerned about that because some games might be trying to pick up light bars because of how they've had to be forced to do it before with the PlayStation uh, VR, uh, PlayStation camera, and the Move controllers, yeah, as point, opposed yeah. to these like really good gyroscopic controllers that we're going to get. So I'm just mm-hmm. hoping that that gets like addressed properly soon, because that's the one thing that would put me off from buying this. So I've in, I've enjoyed my time with the PlayStation VR, and I've got the uh, uh, I've got a Valve as well, not an Index. So I've got the one below that, but um, like. <sighs> So but at the same time, I do feel slightly burnt because yeah. when I go back and look at what I actually did experience on the PlayStation VR, it was groundbreaking because it was new technology for me to be able to play with. But I only had one full VR experience as a game, uh, and that was a horror game, and I couldn't, do, I couldn't finish it because it was just too scary, and that was Resident Evil uh, yeah. 7. Was it seven? Yeah, and yeah, I couldn't finish. It. I had I had to finish playing it with a normal controller, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot more playing it as a proper uh, first person shooter uh, with a controller. Playing it in VR, and they they'd done so many clever things. 
with VR where basically you would turn around your head and different di different elements and it would actually make you jump. Not everything in VR has to be a horror game. Let me tell you, my God, like move away from that. Make other genres, please, developers. If you're listening, don't make everything a horror game because I can't play them because I'm just too much of a wuss. But um, almost all of my experiences besides Resident Evil um, are, 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 are basically just demos. And don't be wrong, they're cool demos. But when you're spending a fair few hundred pounds, like a, a decent chunk of change on, on, on a, what is essentially a new system, you want some full gaming experiences. And I don't think I've got that with the PlayStation VR. Yeah. And even, in, even on the PC space, you had more, but not a lot more. Um, obviously, Beat Saber was the main reason I bought any kind of PC VR headset. Uh, incredible. But again, it's just, it's, that was okay because there was a lot more beef to the bone, especially when you hacked it and you could put your own songs in and there was an insane community. It took me back to my DDR modding days and all that sort of stuff. So that was good. But I wanted more full-length experiences and there wasn't a lot. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be getting PSVR 2 straight away. Don't get me wrong, I, I really would like to get it because it's something that, unlike like, like with the 3DS and, and you know other systems, and even like when, when I first heard about the Wii, these are systems I wanted to actually own because I wanted to experience this new way of playing. Uh, kind of like the Amico that's coming out. It's one of the reasons I really am excited for the Amico because I want to see how that controller plays. I want to get a PSVR 2 because the only way you're going to really experience how good it is is by actually putting it on your head rather than watching any kind of a YouTube video. Yeah, there is absolutely no way to translate VR into a video. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And, and, but I'm, I can't do it straight away until I find out that there's going to be some genuine, decent games. And the only thing they've announced so far already seems like another demo, like a sexy demo, a beautiful demo, that new um, Horizon uh, spin-off but it, it just seems like a mini game a little mini e extract from instead of a full game release and i understand why sony's doing it but it's like yeah. the, 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 the you know like what would i rather play one of the awesome batman arkham asylum games one two or three you know the original asylum city or night or would i rather play that half an hour demo mini game thing that they released which is that vr experience it was really cool but it was only half an hour long i want full fledged gaming experiences and i can only think of one example of that um yeah. with vr so i'm a little bit burnt um as much as i did have a good time of it i i i want to i want to see what they're they're bringing to the table in, in regards to full-fledged games and, and, and i've got to be honest my vr headset that's in its little case uh, under this cupboard dustiest bit of kit i've got yeah it really is so I, I have a couple of issues with uh, VR in general. So my experience with VR has been quite good, I feel. Um, I've played quite a lot of VR games. So yeah, I've probably played a few more like longer-winded experiences. But in reality, VR, as, as it stands, is a very casual format. I mean, you are talking about where the, you know, the best-selling game on VR is a game where you, you hit music blocks with um lightsabers and you probably do that for about five songs and then you put it back down because you're probably either feeling a bit sick or the, he the headset gets too heavy that kind of thing mm -hmm. um so i i don't agree in a sense that you know you need more long-winded experiences because i feel like the the technology is just not there for it and it's certainly not going to be for everyone you're not going to have technology it's just all the developers have got to do is just make a full-fledged yeah. eight-hour game the thing is, they did that with Half-Life Alex, and you, you don't hear anybody talk about Half-Life Alex anymore. And yeah, that it was strange. It my... just disappeared after it came out, didn't it? Yeah, and this is this leads me on to my next point, and that is VR 
is a platform that has diminishing returns. Um, whether you when when you first put on the headset, it is mind blowing. It's it like really almost earth shattering because you're you're there. You're there in this this virtual reality landscape. You don't bother. You don't mind the the foibles as such things like the screen door effect or you know the fact that you can only see a certain amount of field of view. Mm. Um, but over time, that VR effect does, at least in my case, you you, you start to realise that you you're sitting there with a helmet um, helmet on that's got two lenses pointed directly at your face. And therefore, you don't feel the realism. You certainly lose that sense of immersion. Um, and it, it just doesn't have that palpability anymore. Um, I'm hoping that I've taken a long enough break in which PSVR 2 will be almost earth-shattering again. You know, 4K screens in my eyes sounds mm-hmm. very, very nice. Yeah. Um, and my my best frame of reference is PSVR, which is less than 1080p. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really hoping uh, that that will be the uh, the thing that gets me back into it, and then of course the fact that I don't have to plug it in every damn time would be very nice too. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, know, I just hope that they can improve that at least. Yeah, and and I mean, I see Salad Snake again saying on there that uh, everyone that's played Alex really raves about it, myself included. Absolutely, but it's just a, it's just a far smaller uh, uh, user base. I've heard some insane things about uh, uh, playing Half Life, Alex. I need to get around to doing it myself. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, and, and you're right, it is absolutely earth shutting. When you put that headset on, it's like seeing the jump from, I don't, remember, I don't remember being as excited about the future of gaming from when I saw 2D graphics get turned into 3D. Like that was, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. A whole new world of gaming just opened up. And the same thing happened with, um, with VR. Um, I'm really, really hoping. I, I like that PlayStation are making it because they're much. They've got such a, a, a bigger community of people that they can they can push these sort of full length experiences out to. And I hope that they try and go down that route. Um, and and yeah, you're right. They 100% need to be able to bring up their uh, their, their old PlayStation 4 catalog of VR games into this. If they don't, it would be de- dead on arrival almost. They they need yeah. to they need to have an insane collection. Not an insane, but they need to have a big collection of classic games and i've always thought with vr why don't they put vr give you more options uh, more modes of vr in, in already existing games even like you know driving games i don't necessarily mean sitting in the cockpit why can't you as a person sit outside the cockpit the same way you would see on a screen but you have the whole world like kind of like you're floating behind the car the same with um uncharted or something you don't have to be in first person mode you could almost be further back looking at him but seeing the whole world around it i don't know yeah. why they're not putting this into to, to already existing styles of game why has everything got to be uh an immersive experience with with you know you having to be in the eyes of that character i've, um, I've kind of got an answer for that one <laughs> go on um there's a couple of games out on um on vr you know whether it be oculus rift and what have you where people have uh, um, added vr to existing experiences whether it be like um you know colin mccray on pc i believe um once you take yourself out of that cockpit that's when you hit chundertown that's that's when the motion sickness hits you <laughs> right i'm gonna be testing this out maybe i'll do it on a stream yeah. one night or something we'll give it a go yeah because the, yeah. the the whole idea of motion sickness just be really quick you know um sure. is that um if you feel like your your brain is being fooled into thinking that it's moving, and mm-hmm. if it isn't moving, that's when you you get like a disconnect between what your brain thinks you're doing and what your body's actually doing. 
and that's what creates that queasiness so when you're playing things like eve um valkyrie where you sat in the ship the ship moves with you um the control almost feels one-to-one you'd think you'd get really sick because you're doing barrel rolls and all of that but in reality your brain knows that you're sat in a chair and that you can see these boundaries around you and that the, the only thing that's really changing is your viewpoint and that's that's how it kind of tricks uh tricks your brain into thinking yay it's okay um right. but when as soon as you uh I, I did a test with my um with my manager at work uh we sat him down to play gran turismo sports on uh, psvr and um it's it was like going oh yeah this is great this is absolutely brilliant and i said oh yeah check the wing mirror he did that and then he saw the movement from a third person perspective despite being in the first person's perspective he immediately threw up wow so <laughs> that's that <laughs> i've seen this in action <laughs> right I wasn't enough, a very popular person that day. <laughs> well, regardless, let's hope we see more bigger experiences with PlayStation VR 2. And uh, let's hope people aren't sick of it by this point. Yeah. I, I'd be interested to see what the return rate is on people that bought the original PSVR moving into PSVR 2. Because I, for one, would like a PSVR 2, but I think I'd rather get myself a Switch OLED. You know, you know, if I'm looking mm. at what, I, what I'm going to be spending my money on, I think I'd rather get a Switch OLED. Or I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to be putting my money on that new Steam controller you know there's always new things coming out and do i want to put my money a heavy chunk because i i think you're probably right around the 450 mark yeah uh if they go over 500 it, again they, they cannot uh, in my opinion they cannot exceed the cost of the console it'd be <laughs> yeah but That's um, when they were at with the first one anyway yeah 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 so i i i would be excited to see what they can do with psvr2 uh and i'd be excited to see, interested to see what the uh the yeah, return rate is on it only time will tell. Let's hope they get it out soon whilst um, uh, whilst it's yeah. still hot because uh, people are loving their PlayStation 5 right now, me included, very much enjoying Ghost of Tsushima. Very very good game, very good game. And I really hope that that new Horizon game that they've just announced for it to go with it um, isn't one of those two-hour oh, Horizon-themed, like, you know, theme park attraction rides. That only lasts a few, a uh, few, a couple of hours. I, I hope it's actually something. Be so like, surprised if it's not. It's gonna be. I I really hope that they've learned their lesson and they're gonna do something like Half Life Alex, but in the Horizon Zero. Dawn oh mate, world. like would be great. That could push me into closer to buying it, but yeah, only time will tell. But now I really hope so. I I really don't think so though. Like yeah, I'd almost That's... put I'd put an NFT down on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own any NFTs. <laughs> it's all right. They're not worth anything anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the um, yeah, I hope that developers at this point have learned that people have tried VR now. They've they've either like mm. known someone from Oculus Rift. They've tried PSVR. You know, they people have seen it. They don't need those big like whoa moments. You know, those Jurassic Park dinosaur like first encounter moments. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. seen all of that before. We want to play games. Mm-hmm. that's that's what they need to understand yeah i tell you what like oh my god v- vr is awesome when it when it works i remember i i tried out a little experience with um uh oh, what was that 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 big dog with the wings playstation game you oh last guardian last guardian they had a last guardian uh little like demo thing and you basically just sit you st- it starts and you're in this room and nothing's going on i'm like am i waiting for the the the, the big dog thing to come to me 
And I'm like looking around, looking around. I look up and it's like looking directly down at me. And I was like, Jesus! It's like it fully takes you out. Like it, 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 it takes you to another world. It really does VR when it's done well. And like that would never have scared me. Uh, made me jump if I was like playing it on, on on a screen. But because it's like my entire field of view. And like that thing is like the size it would normally be like in real life if you was underneath that big dog winged thing, like it freaked me out. Like whoa, amazing! <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. So yeah. Anyway, let's see how let's see what the future's like. Um, the specs are very, very nice. Uh, in some cases, be- in some cases, beating Valve's index. Um, so yeah, it's really, really interesting to see how they're going to move forward with the PlayStation VR two. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Now into our next topic, where Sega have promised to av- uh, promises to avoid NFTs if gamers think it's some kind of big money-making scheme. Spoiler um, alert, Sega, it's a big money-making scheme. You mm-hmm. can go ahead and get right off those. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm... Um... <sighs> right, here come, here it comes. Let's, let, let's, let's lose all the subscribers. No, right, so the future, as we've said before in the past, is going to be NFT related. They're not going away. They're here to stay. Um, however, what I will say is, obviously, when I was bringing up the whole NFT thing with the Amico and, and, and other stuff, people were obviously really upset primarily because of the environmental impact that NFTs uh, bring to the table. And from my very small amount of research, that doesn't seem to be the case for all NFTs. Um, moving forward, there's not going to be a, uh, an environmental impact um uh, which in, I in, in some inst- in some instances which then leaves me to this point where as, as someone that's not that knowledgeable on nfts and or anything related to crypto in all honesty i know i know the basics and i'm now at a stage where i'm like so what's everyone upset about but at the same time but why i say why are companies like say go ubisoft or blah 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 but why are they doing that so i mean i'm now in this middle ground again where i'm like well look I've got an open mind. That's not me saying I'm I, I'm I'm for NFTs in any way, shape, or form. And I'm also at the same time confused as to why companies want to jump on this bandwagon. Um, I saw uh, that recently. Uh, the incredible, the amazing, ah, uh, amazing artist. I've had the ple- pleasure of meeting a few times. Mike Shinoda put out a mixtape recently, about a week ago. And um, you could buy this mixtape. It wasn't a lot of money to buy this little mixtape. And it comes with like a little exclusive bit of artwork, which is obviously the same piece of artwork put over 5,000 times a different color background. Always the smile was a bit different, blah, 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 whatever. But at the same time, as much as it's a crap bit of artwork, at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, well, if it's the same price as downloading a digital copy of the, the mixtape anyway, why isn't this a better way of doing it? So I'm, I, I'm sort of conflicted with myself as to, okay, now, now that... If uh, in instances where there's no environmental impact, of course, why are they bad? But at the same time, why are artists and companies using them? So I'm opening up my mind and I want to do more research. I'm not for them. I'm not against them. I want to know more. Uh, But I definitely don't want to be one of those people that goes, I hate them. Because if I said that to to someone else um, uh, that's not in this, like for instance, my wife that has absolutely no interest in them. I'm like, oh, I hate NFTs. Why? Why are they so bad? Um, I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know the answer. So I, I want to find out more. Um, I don't know if yeah. I'm going to get the answer of that on this particular podcast, but I'm definitely up for hearing more. I want to, I want to know more. I want to know more. I mean, I'm seeing people yeah. in the chat there. NFTs are nonsense. They're a waste of money. But why? That is what I want to know. Why? Why are they? Um, my, big, my biggest concern, we, talk, we spoke about the environmental impact, and that is um, 
that's that's fair enough. You know, things are going to get better. Uh, I would say that the oil industry got better over time as well. Um, my biggest concern is that the people who are the biggest proponents of NFTs are the ones who are going to profit the most. Those are the ones who are, you know, at the top of the game. They're telling everybody that, you know, building up this hype train and saying that you're going to make money out of these um, to the people who are going to end up buying it off them for a profit. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's that whole pyramid scheme idea. It seems that to be that people are li- buying into buying into this new legitimized pyramid scheme until they realize it's a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And that's where I completely draw the line. Now, yeah. in the context where you're buying, say, an Amico game or Mike Shinoda's EP, as you say, Mm-hmm. If I'm getting the same thing for the same amount of money, or you know, I'm getting something extra for the same amount of money, I'm all for it. I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. I'd even buy a collector's edition if it's something that I really, really want. Yeah, because in the real I, world, I do spend the extra to get that. Well, I, I do spend extra, but I would like to buy a physical because I want to to have yeah. that extra thing. And I suppose this is their way of move uh, of doing something extra in a digital world. Uh, to answer a few people's questions that people are seeing in the uh, uh, chat here, y- yeah, it's a pyramid screen. What, what did I see here? Do I prefer physical or or, uh, or digital? I obviously definitely prefer physical, but what I would say is my Steam library is full up with about 600 games, and I've played less than 100 of them. Um, yeah. I, I, I would like to. For instance, I've bought myself recently some new editing software, and I'm having issues with it. And and actually, the, the, an even better example is my last editing software I bought several years ago. I bought it, and it just was not working for me. It didn't work. But because I tested it out for like 20 hours or so, I could not get a refund. If it was an NFT, I could just sell it on. Um, yeah. So in that instance, I see it as a good thing. Um, uh, as, as long as, like, you know, there's no environmental impact. And I did see someone there saying they don't like it because... Here we go, from Dutch Chairman. I, I dislike NFTs for two reasons, jacking up prices for PC users' environmental impact, and that is definitely something that I do stand with. I hate it because at the moment I am having issues with my PC because I do need to upgrade my graphics card. I have a 1080 graphics card right in there, in there right now. I'd like to get myself a, what is it, a 3060 or 3080. Um, they're uh, currently almost doubled the price because there's so few of them, because they're being bought up for uh, uh, mining reasons massive middle finger to all of those people that are buying them for that reason it really really does uh, hate yeah. it absolutely hate it and i am with you on that definitely um like i said I, i'm just trying to keep an open mind here a little bit yeah um so yeah. here's me being an open mind so i feel like i've been i've probably had the biggest things to say about nfts on the slopes mm-hmm. cast over the past couple of weeks and i've got i do got I, I i do have to be fair so um let's let's put it in a physical context because we both love uh, physical game collecting um have you ever bought a game keep sealed i i i well, i have a couple so yeah obviously i have them without without yeah. initially doing i i have some that I, I didn't buy them for that reason but they've come in and i've not opened them you know i'm not gonna open yeah. them now so yeah, yeah i'm i'm very much the same thing i don't buy games because i want them to rise in value or anything like that mm-hmm. i value games because i want to play them um and that's but I can also see the other side of it because I've I go onto a forum on Facebook called uh, Sealed Game Haven, um, and all of it, all those guys do, they collect sealed games. They they probably haven't played any like video games. They just really like them as yeah, a collectible yeah. thing, and they rise in value and what have you. I like incidental things where they rise in value incidentally, um, 
but I, I i very rarely buy games sealed just to keep them you know for you know like a nest egg i can see nfts being sort of like that though, where you buy a game yeah. uh, you buy something sealed and you keep hold of it and then hopefully it rise in value and more often than not it probably won't so i can see that prospecting idea it's about giving a physicality to digital goods but the mm-hmm. problem that we have is that in the gaming landscape at least nfts have become an excuse to make um you know content no longer available as part of the experience so we've already seen it from the likes of ubisoft where certain you know character skins and weapons or you know weapon cosmetics cosmetics as they stand now are only exclusively purchased with ethereum or you know whatever cryptocurrency you want they're Mm -hmm. not part of the game they're a collector's item that for that game only, which is locked to this this whole like you know within this container of being Ghost Recon and only viewable outside within this UPlay store or what have you. Mm-hmm. And people are spending real money on something that really should be a congratulations, you completed the game. Here's a new helmet color. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, more, I, yeah, more I, that, yeah, I do definitely see it as a negativity. I, I do see yeah. that as a negative thing for sure. Yeah, it does we, seem to me that there is, you know, because this is the future. Whether whether we like to admit it or not, um, let's let's be real. It is. It is. Uh, it may not be the future we like, but at least there should be a way to be able to do this sort of thing right. Um, uh, I still don't see the negative reasons as to why uh, people like. I keep bringing up the Amico but why the Amico thing was a bad idea. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I don't know why uh, in television didn't just put it on a server and let you be able to switch it around on a server as I believe it was um, uh, Goldfish on Games uh, suggested in, in my video. So I don't understand why they did it that way in the first place. Um, but at the same time, I don't understand why it's a bad thing. If I, if I, if I buy something digitally, I, I, I like the idea of being able to sell it I the guess same way the... I can do with my physical games. I guess with the Amico thing is that it doesn't make sense that a physical item is an NFT because it's a physical item. The whole idea of an NFT is that it's supposed to be on some sort of decentralized digital blockchain or, you know, mm-hmm. this this, compl- this whole like peer-to-peer ledger system. But if I sell that game physically, how does the ledger know that it's being sold do you get it's it's so weird um it is and it's, that's, it's, that's, it's a strange world that we're moving into it really is mm. yeah i mean we're we're moving more and more every single generation every year that goes past we're moving more and more into a digital only world um yeah. i mean do you remember when there when, when when you would buy like the wii uh or even the 360 in its early days and there'd be you know there'd, there'd be maybe not 360 maybe the original xbox where there'd be like one digital game per 50 or whatever main physical games that would come out there'd be so few online games and now it's completely the opposite way around completely the opposite way around i mean we're moving more and more into a digital world and there is a right way to do this sort of thing and um i understand why companies want to jump on the bandwagon but they they do need to do it the right way um and they need to make sure that they uh, are showing that they have their 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 fans um at the forefront um, yeah. I'm keeping an open mind about this. There are definite parts that have been brought up in here uh, already, which you just mentioned there, Grizzly, about uh, exclusive items that are only going to be available for a limited time. 
bullshit. I hate that stuff. And and the way Dutch Chairman was talking about in the chat as well with um, uh, the price of uh, graphics cards going up because of the mining scene. And yeah, so there's definitely negative parts. And, and obviously there is an environmental impact in some aspects. But for the most part, hopefully that's going away. Yeah. Um, let's uh, uh sorry can i can i just pull one from the and the rest section so this is normally yeah, yeah. where we go go towards the end so this is an example in my oh, opinion oh yeah i'll jump straight to it yeah i know what you yeah. bring up yeah this is an Here example in my opinion of a really bad way to use nfts it, it pains me to see this it does this yeah. is this is where it's bad yeah yeah so to mark the 35th anniversary of castlevania instead of a game or you know like this new collection or you know a real nod to the fans in some form um you have images or little pieces of video of castlevania the you know the nes the nes game and that's all we're getting and it's already you know highest offer in, in an auction of 357 dollars and it's what are you getting here weird some, something you can see on google images or in a youtube video and yeah. this is this is the biggest problem for me and that mm -hmm. is the idea that people believe that they own this. They own this, like, this little Surely video the people that are dropping this. 350 on this bad boy don't think they own it. You know what you I mean? See, you'll see plenty of people who've bought the, the Bored Apes collections mm. who have been told what I've just said, that wow. they do not own it because you own a receipt saying that you own it, but you can't, like take that piece of artwork you can't call it your own you don't own the copyright you you literally do not own it you own you this weird twisted video of a long play like yeah, that's you, what you own there's a receipt on a server somewhere saying that you have purchased it it's a it's a proof of stake it's not a proof of ownership mm -hmm. yeah and that 9754 for a rotating cube with a video on it that you can't even hold it's just it's just there in your in your my documents folder mm -hmm. it's i'm sorry but that's just you know what the... that's one of these legendary companies that uh, yeah uh, are not doing it the right way and and to go back to <laughs> the reason yeah. why we brought this this all of this up was you know sega uh potentially backtracking due to, to two people uh kicking off about it what i was trying to get at was the fact that there are a lot of people a significant amount of people out there if we're going to be honest that are shouting i hate nft for no reason other than the fact that they just yeah. hate nft uh there's no real reason behind it um and uh I, I i think it's important to keep an open mind and actually see what the pros and cons are uh to this sort of thing and it, it's it's doubly important for companies like sega and unfortunately not for konami because they've, they've already done it but for for these big companies to do it the right way because it is the future and it would be silly for these companies to at least not uh, yeah. adopt adopt this style uh but again they need to make sure they're doing it the right way you you've got to try things to know you're wrong i get that completely yeah yeah so um yeah the statement they've put out in terms of nft we would like to try out various experiments and we have already started uh we've already started many different studies and considerations but nothing is decided at this point regarding pay, p2e which is play which to is earn yeah that's it yeah right 
There have been many announcements about this already, including at overseas, but there are users who show negative reactions at this point. We need to uh, carefully assess many things, such as how we can mitigate negative elements, how much we can introduce this with the Japanese regulations, uh, what we will be accepted, what will be accepted, and what will not be by the users. Then we will consider this further. If this leads to our mission constantly creating forever captivating, but uh, if it is perceived as simply a simple money making, I would like to make a decision not to proceed. It yeah. might just all be words, marketing words, let's keep people happy. But if this is genuinely the path they're going down, I see this as a great vision because a company like Sega do need to adopt NFTs if uh, this is the future, they would be silly not to. But they're taking the right path at learning and making sure they're doing it the right way. Yeah, and I'm all for that. Um... Again, it's it's the whole idea of it being a pyramid scheme, the, the, the lack of actual tangible ownership. If Sega is one of these big companies that is going to look at it in a considered view, and bear in mind that they haven't they've they've done quite the opposite in the past, so I would mm -hmm. be interested to see what they come out with. Um but that if they if they can do it right and they, they have the money to do it right and we don't exactly know what right looks like when it comes to entities, so we don't, we don't really know no. what entirely wrong looks like when it comes to nfts i've been very very harsh i feel but at the same time i haven't really seen much to prove otherwise and i'm hoping sega will be one of those companies that can come out with a decent idea and, and say right we're gonna like run a competition and say something people get you this access to this unique artwork this non-fungible token which um technically is available for everyone but yeah that one person yeah, yeah. That you get, yeah, potentially in a right way to do it, yeah. Um, Personally, the way I see NFTs, NFTs that did have been a really like powerful thing, is trading card games online where you have like Pokemon cards. Let's say Pokemon cards adopted NFTs tomorrow, and each card had an intrinsic value, and each of those cards is numbered, and that can, number can go up in, indefinitely. But the ones that become really valuable are the, you know, the typical rares, the ones that actually are hard to pull, or you get the lower numbers where people collect certain number sets, because you mm -hmm. do get people doing that. Um, but in reality, all of these NFTs are available to everyone for a set set price, and then the users dictate the value. Yeah, I mean, surely putting a, a, a limited amount on these yeah. things is the uh bad way to do it because as soon as you put a limited amount the same with like you know physical products with i mean you see it all the time if it, it, i'm i'm sure uh let me look what would be a more expensive one um i don't know maybe like the scott pilgrim limited run thing that they did that's something that's going to go up in value because they've only made a set amount of them um like yeah if they it, it, on a digital landscape there's no reason to add a limited amount if they only ever release something for like 20 30 quid whatever the number may be the value on the second hand market should technically not go up it should be yeah. treated the same way that physical games are um you know like you, you buy a game for 50 quid you it's 50 quid forever and if you sell it you can sell it for 35 i don't know why anyone in a digital space would ever buy first hand um because there's no it's not going to devalue in quality you know the same way you pick up a game at cex so i it's weird. It's such a weird thing. And I saw someone down in the chat there saying the only decent idea I've heard is converting your Steam library into NFTs so end users uh, have the ability to, to, to basically second-hand digital market on your Steam library. The problem I see with that is there's people like me and millions of other users 
that have hundreds of games they never play, let's quickly get rid of them. I just see that Steam would lose a crap ton of money because, oh, wow, we can't sell all these games, you know? Yeah. And it would, just, it would just bottleneck it. <laughs> it Do you know completely... what? This reminds me of a time where uh, Activision Blizzard, Boo Hiss, um, came out with Diablo 3 and the Real Money Auction House. Do you remember this? I remember reading about it, yeah. I was never a part of it. So NFTs is kind of, it was almost like NFTs in a prototype model. And the idea was, is that you could sell any in-game item on a real money auction house for people to be able to buy those items. And then you did find that certain legendary items became super valuable because it was considered the best item for a certain build in the game. And do you know what it did? It destroyed Diablo 3. They had to remove the whole real money auction house because... um, because people would, you know, either be farming the game for all of the loot so nobody could, uh, you know, actually play the game properly. They couldn't mm-hmm. find groups because people were just in it for the money. And the people who were buying all of the best items completely destroyed, you know, the whole the whole balance of the game. The economy got completely destroyed as well because of this, you know, you had the, you had the gold auction house and then the real money auction house. I feel like they need to, when NFTs are concerned, they need to learn from that example. And I can kind of see it going the same way, especially when it comes to things like um, Ubisoft's implementation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great, it, it's, it's a great all, case study. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, I, I'm definitely not for NFTs. I want to make sure I, I put that out there. I just need to be finding out the reasons why people hate it so much. Uh, I want to, I want to get, I want to get other than the fact that people, you know, angry man yells at cloud because it does seem a little bit yeah. like that. Um, unfortunately, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. I, I, I want to make, I want to see what the pros and cons are. Uh, I, I'm definitely seeing them on both sides of the coin, um, uh, and I, I, I'd hate to be a company right now saying that they're going to do any, even if even if Sega came out and said we're going to do an NFT and all money is going to Great Ormond Street, whatever it may be, there would be. They need NFT. to change. They do need to change the buzz terminology because NFTs has got too many negative connotations. At it the really stage. does. It's, it's absolutely it, hated. There needs to be. Uh, there, there's a right way to do this. Yeah, it's, and I don't have the answer. NFT has just become a whistle for for outrage at this stage. So they need to change that buzz terminology. <laughs> Michael Downs, <laughs> you wouldn't steal an NFT. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've just put up on the screen. I was going to be doing this ages ago, but we just got really into this NFT talk here. Um, uh, some gameplay footage of when I was uh, playing Sonic 1, 2, and 3 at the same time of every ring that you collect changes the game over into something else. I think it was a five-hour stream where I completed Sonic 1, 2, and 3 in one sitting all at the same time. It was mental. Also... Um, I'm very yeah. aware that we didn't. We've done three weeks on the trot where NFTs have been like a major topic. I'm going to try and change that next week. So, I mean, well, hey, it, it, <laughs> it, at the end of the day, this is it's important news. news. And like you say, it's it's it is the future, and you, you, it, it's insane that such a futuristic, um, um, well, it's present now, isn't it? But like this sort of futuristic style of doing things is is even pushing its way into the the retro gaming sphere, um, in in, in quite a big way. So, um, yeah. If it's going that far, I still don't see how it's not the future. I, I really do believe it is, whether you like to hear that or not. And I know there's people in there saying we should just just downright say it's bad and then it won't happen. Unfortunately, I think it is going to happen, whether you like to hear it or not. Sadly. Yeah. Changes sadly. the thing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So let's keep it Sega. 
But let's chat about something a, a lot more upbeat and, and crazy. Uh, good old hey, people hey. over at... <laughs> yes. There's, uh, the good old people over at Nintendo Life, Damien McFerrin, um, brought him up many, many times on this podcast. Uh, he's helped out the channel a lot in the past, Damien. Inadvertently, that's for sure, yeah. Great guy, <laughs> great guy. Now, um, he put out a post over on Nintendo Life explaining about how well, we, we almost got Crazy Taxi and Virtua Fighter Free, or as I like to call it, Virtua Fighter Free text back for the Dreamcast on the N64. Yeah. So a bit of an interesting story, this one. I, yeah. It, it doesn't seem to go that much further than anecdote territory, but I do get the impression that this was original. This was genuinely like considered because at one point, even the Sega investors during the Dreamcast early years didn't have that much faith in the console. No, so they were considering. Uh, so this comes on uh, for a Bernie Stolar. Uh, apparently, he was quite high up. Um, one of the C, uh, one of the executive officers. He was brokering a deal with a claim to um, publish certain Sega properties from the arcades mm-hmm. on rival platforms. And one of the uh, ideas was Crazy Taxi and Virtua Fighter Free uh, on the Nintendo sixty four. Now. Let's not go into the logistics of whether this would have actually been possible, but we do know that the Dreamcast was closer to 64-bit hardware than it was, say, 128, uh, which the the PlayStation was PlayStation 2 was closer to. Um, so it could have had a port. I feel like a really, really. I low think it could port. have done. I mean, I know there's uh, when you when you look through the article and 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 people kick uh, people within Sega kicking off about this, like you're not going to get that running. You could have got it running. You yeah. could have got it running. I mean, you got it running on a bloody GBA gimped heavily, for goodness sake. They, they, they would have been able to make a port of some kind for the uh, N64. It wouldn't have played the same. But, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Uh, the, the, uh, a a what-if story. You know, this could-have-happened story. Crazy Taxi, um, one of the most iconic games for the Dreamcast. When I think Dreamcast, it's, uh, you know, it's only a, a few thoughts away from Crazy Taxi. Yeah. That, that iconic, iconic game. And, and this whole story reminds me of the absurdity that is Wipeout 64. The fact that you've got a, a, a PlayStation-only game, really, for the most part. Well, and Sega Saturn. Everyone forgets the Saturn. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do. So yeah, yeah. You had, I get what you're saying. But yeah, you had, you had yeah. one on the, on the Nintendo. And, you know, you want to hold a proper controller when you're playing Wipeout with the, uh, the drifting air pads on the back. But it does work on the on the N sixty four. It feels weird to begin with, but when you give it a go, you're like, actually, you know what? This is a good this is a good wipeout sixty uh, wipeout game, and it was around the wipeout twenty ninety seven. So the best wipeout game, in my opinion, uh, the one I spent the most amount of time on, at least. So yeah, I, I imagine it would have been something similar to that. I mean, I detest I detest the art graphical style of the N sixty four. That 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 sort of let's get a, a texture and stretch it so it just looks like mud and that's the texture of every wall and floor and character and every single polygon in the N64. I've never been a fan of that system. And I, in my mind, seeing that sort of stick polygon style in my beautifully crisp, crazy taxi. I mean, this the footage you're seeing right now is uh, taken directly from the Dreamcast. Obviously, the Dreamcast could pump out HD with the, with the right tools. And it still looks stunning, yeah. crisp, beautiful, and I can't imagine what that would look like on the N64. I know I'm being blasphemous here. I know there's a lot of N64 fans, people in this uh, this chat right now. My my co-host, big fan of the system, uh, mm-hmm. but still, I don't um, 
I, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't see it. I can't see it. Cannot see it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Abdullah uh, Koshnud, uh, we don't talk about Taxi Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, what a game. Um, there you got. Um, so I'm I'm thinking along the lines of I I feel like the N64 could have done like this colourful poly thing style because in reality the Dreamcast was like a really upscaled N64 in terms of graphics and the kind of polygons it was throwing around in my opinion um of course it had that additional style you you would have had a far muddier visuals on the N64 that's mm-hmm. that's for sure and fog lots and lots of fog which does not look great in San Francisco I've got to say. Um, unless you're anywhere near the Golden Gate, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I I could have seen how it would work. As as Dan says, I'm a big fan of the N64, so I'm going to be somewhat biased in this regard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it make kind of reminds me of that Beetle Adventure Racing, which had that kind of colourful aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm seeing quite stretched textures on that grass there. By the way, I'm just going to say. <laughs> what are you doing to me? I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone looks back on the N64 fondly, and I understand it. It, it just wasn't for me. Um, and I, I find it one of the harder retro systems to go back and 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 play, not because of capability reasons. I just I, I don't find it an enjoyable system to play. Um, but uh, I, I just went on a rant and forgot my original topic. Uh, but no, no, I. I I, I, yeah, that's it. I, I think having something like Crazy Taxi and a definitely Virtua Fighter uh, it would have helped the N64 massively, I think, personally. Um, I, yeah. I can't really think of too many games for the system that would have been similar. I suppose that you got one-on-one fighters, but... You only had a couple, really. Uh, Killer Instinct yeah. and then uh, that Mace the Dark Age. They, they weren't big on them. Um, yeah. That, yeah, the N64 was definitely missing games from certain genres that could have really benefited from. And like these kind of arcade, uh, arcade like classic games, you had Robotron 64, which was felt really dated for the time. Uh, there was a lot of stuff like that, mm-hmm. which just felt dated. Buster Move and the like, still 2D, um, 2D Tetris style games. I would love to have seen something like this. But then again, yeah. at that point, you didn't really know this existed until, unless you were in the arcade. Yeah, g- games that, that that do this sort of thing, um, like Crazy Taxi, uh, it, that, 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 you look at them, you're like, that's like Crazy Taxi, because it was quite an originator in this style. I mean, I know, I know other games have kind of done it in the past, because essentially it's a fetch quest game, isn't it, Crazy Taxi? When you take down take it down to its bare bone, it's a fetch quest game, and just keep fetch questing unt- until you run out of time. But... It, it it done it so well. It done it so well. Um, yeah. Which Sega are always good at. They, they 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 take such a simple formula. Monkey Ball, another perfect example. Roll a ball. Let's turn that into a game. Really? N64 <laughs> Fog. Just set it in the UK and call it Nutty Cab. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, so this was a thing that was um, talked about and uh, it was basically the idea of one person within Sega, quite a high up person, and as soon as everybody else at Sega, so it seems, got wind of it, uh, it was like, uh, no, that ain't happening. So, yeah, it didn't yeah. go any further than that. What One interesting p- uh, other point is to bring up on this is the fact that one Sega-owned uh, uh, IP that they did put out was Ferrari F355 Racing, uh, which had a claim on the front cover, which is always a bit confusing. Like, hang on, why is a claim on the front cover of this? And it's believed um that that came off the back of this where they were going to be getting virtua fighter free tb um and crazy taxi when that all fell through okay let's give them ferrari f355 and that's why you see a claim on the front cover slash 
title, blah, 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 whatever. Um, as opposed to Crazy Taxi and Virtua Fighter. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, that's not 100%, but it's believed. That's the reason why that collaboration happened. It would certainly make sense in that, uh, for that, yeah. Uh, claim were, yeah, prolific. So at the, mm-hmm. at the time, they kind of just disappeared now, haven't they? That's mm-hmm. sad. There we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing that almost happened. Um, I, I, I'm glad it didn't. I'm, I think I'm glad it didn't. Um, yeah. How weird. How weird would it be? I, I can't work out in my head if it would have been a good thing or not. Because um, I think definitely Crazy Taxi. Definitely Crazy Taxi. And I suppose to the hardcore crowd, Virtua Fighter as well, was a, uh, a selling point in some aspects for the Dreamcast. So it would have hurt the Dreamcast. But at the same time, they could have got some decent money off the back of that. And, and, and it might have helped the Dreamcast. I mean... Yeah, to be to be fair, like when Sega was first starting out in the console landscape, they they were porting uh, versions of you know um, Space Harrier and Afterburner to other systems. You know, mm. they they started out as a third party publisher, then they went into their console business. I don't think this would have hurt them because the games that they were proposing were all arcade releases. So probably, if anything, it would bolster the Sega arcade division while still Sega being able to create like console um, yeah they weren't, weren't giving them that sonic adventure at the end of the day yeah they? which was definitely a system seller yeah for sure yeah. interesting it's interesting um nice little what if what if uh yeah. I, I think i'm sitting on there i'm glad it didn't happen though that's for sure <laughs> yeah 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 and um talking of weird things that happens keeping it on nintendo life <laughs> you know those crappy tiger lcd games yes yeah uh yeah. not so crappy this one because it's actually a Game Boy Advance. Now, first thing everyone's got to be doing, I'm actually going to be putting a link in the chat for people watching live, uh, is giving a link over to this person's channel. Make sure you go and subscribe to Downing's Basement. Yeah, the uh, Tiger LCD, he's put a Game Boy Advance in the Tiger LCD. That's what he's done. And he's done it very, very well by the looks of things. Yeah. Uh, Ah. So... He's he's had to like 3D print a whole case, so it it's got the appearance of a Tiger LCD, but in reality, it's it's going to be a bit bigger than than your typical one. But ultimately, mm. it's resulted in something that's really cool and actually, the, you know, the most functional use for a Tiger LCD, <laughs> I, I believe. <laughs> I yeah. can't get my head around how how annoyed I would be with those buttons, though. Uh, a and B being above and below each other. Oh is, God. Uh, you have to have them left to right A and B on uh, one of those uh, systems. So um, yeah, you can go and 3D print your own one if you want. Um... <laughs> yeah, so he he says this is a, a case mod and a slight screen mod, so it's actually fairly easy to pull pull together. I think mm-hmm. he was just one of the first to actually do this. Um, but mostly, you need 3D printer, and that's going to be half the battle in itself. Yeah, I've got friends that have got one, so I could I could do this. Elliot yeah. Future, if you're not doing this already, mate, you're missing a trick. This is this is this is the retro futures. Uh, got the retro futures screaming all over it. Oh man, I've seen a suggestion here. Put uh, put it in a game com. Um, no. How many <laughs> buttons has a game com got on it? I'm trying to remember. It's four. Okay. Yeah, I I I would rather we didn't talk about the game com, Michael. Still got any um Tiger LCD systems? Uh, yes, I have one of the Sonic 3D Blast ones Ooh. and the Nights into Dreams one. Nice. So those are still in the packet because, you know, I never want to play the thing, but I definitely <laughs> wanted it for 
the Sonic collection. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I've got a That's couple good. of Disney ones behind me. Um, it's my I've NFT. Got Lion <laughs> King and the Rescuers Down Under, or as it's called in some foreign country, I can't remember where. It translates to Rescuers the Land in the Land of the Kangaroos, which I think is a brilliant translation. I, I think. Under. <laughs> I think Michael Towns should be uh, quite proud of that second one. Land of the Ruse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've also got the, well, I say they're mine, they're not actually mine, but I've got the uh, all of the Castlevania ones in the um, in, in this massive box of Castlevania games I've got right next to me. See all that? Massive boxes of Castlevania games that I still need to give back to Quang from doing a video last January. I've literally had them a year. So, um, yeah. Are you keeping those on standby just in case they release any more Castlevania games? Seriously, you've got redo to get those the back. entire thing. Yeah, I know, those, I know. Those are expensive. <laughs> yeah, we need. I need to get them back. I've just got like five versions of Castlevania's Symphony of the Night sitting next to me, and um, the even more rare and expensive PC home computer ports of the original game in the big box boxes. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. But anyway, um, hey, if you want to play uh, t- Tiger. Play on a Tiger LCD game uh, system that isn't rubbish. You can now do that very thing by slapping a Game Boy Advance inside it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One interesting thing I want to bring up here, and you know me, I'm getting controversial again. First, it was the whole NFT things. Why is it really that bad? Let's get an answer. I'm going to do it again with this. Every single person I've seen talk about this has said, This is amazing. He's done an incredible thing here taking apart a Game Boy Advance and ripping it to pieces. You know who else took some Game Boy pieces together uh, apart recently and just absolutely demolished them? For fair the, comment. Uh, fair comment, I feel. That's a fair yeah. bloody comment. What's, what's his name? Um, one of the pools. That's it, Logan Paul, or one of the pools. Recently got a load of Game Boy Advances together, put them, in, put them on a table, like, done this whole resin thing, so he put it up on a nice display. It looked, I thought it looked actually pretty damn good. But everyone went mental. How dare you destroy Game Boy, uh, Game Boys or whatever? This guy's doing the same thing. I mean, I suppose you could argue that he could put it all back together, but I could, I, I doubt he would with all of the soldering and stuff he's doing. I mean, you really got to ask yourself: is this is this his way of playing Game Boy Advance from now on? No, it's a cool little project he wanted to do, but yeah, no one's upset he's, that he's done it. And he's got the money, you know. He's, you know, people have destroyed Game Boy Advances throughout the years, and you know, if they really wanted one, they wouldn't have done that. So. Um, to be fair, like so many Game Boys out there, you can buy one super cheap still, Game Boy Colors and what have you. That project probably um, is worth more to him than the sum of the parts within it, you know. So uh, honestly, you know, if it was something more rare, fair enough. I would say something oh, like yeah, um, if he was a ripping Mega apart CD. like a, the Sony, uh, the, 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 the Nintendo PlayStation or something, I'd be up in arms for sure. Yeah, or an original was... arcade hardware. Yeah, yeah. You know it, how it, many people do up. that? You know how many people do that? Like they see in a uh, Mortal Kombat cabinet, they rip out all of the internals and they stick like a Raspberry Pi in there. Yeah, that's more wasteful in my opinion. Absolutely, I really do agree. I've, I, I, I think Logan Paul's as, as much of a dick as everyone else. I, I, let me just put that out there. He is definitely a Wally. Um, <laughs> perfect term for him, if you ask me. He is one hundred percent a Wally. But I just don't understand why everyone hated on it. Like, how dare you destroy something that you can pick up for five pound? Like everywhere else, like these systems are—they made millions and millions and millions of these systems. They're so everywhere, and this guy's just ripping apart a Game Boy Advance. And everyone seems to be okay with it. Okay. Bit strange, yeah, bit strange. Don't get it. Yeah, it is a bit strange. But hey, hey, doesn't mean that I'm a fan of NFTs and Logan Paul. <laughs> I'm just trying to point out like people. People like to cry about 
things. Angry man shouts at Cloud. Again, it's a it's a dog whistle for outrage. Anything with Logan Paul on it. Yeah. So and, and, uh, yeah, he he does deserve the hate he gets from time to time for the stuff that he's done. Faux right. show. Especially Faux that show. trip to Jap- Japan. Yeah, that that's the. Yeah, he should he should have been bad for that. I will I will you know keep that one going. He should. Yeah, people don't deserve to lose their channels over mistakes, but that that's 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 an extra step. That, that wasn't was a, a mistake. That was, that was pure. He knew what he was. I, I remember. It, everyone's had that thing where you know when you first get on the internet really I'm, I'm talking right back in the day i remember it being a bit like this where you you see a link and you read the description and you're like should i click that and you click it and then instantly you watch whatever the video may be and you're like i wish i didn't click that yeah that hadn't happened to me in the longest time until i saw that video i wish i didn't click that yeah yeah. Uh, to be fair, uh, I quail at some point very soon talking about Logan Paul on YouTube would be considered retro. I hope. So. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, eh? Fingers yeah. crossed. Anyway, beautiful video here from Downing's basement. Um, he's done a uh, good job of putting a Game Boy Advance into a Tiger LCD. Finally, a good Tiger LCD, and um, hey. that's one that I would love to add to my collection. There. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's very very cool. Very very cool. Cool. <laughs> Is that all of the topics? We, we're, we're moving into the rest now, aren't we? There were yeah, our six the main topics, and now we're talking section. about the rest. Yes, we are. The show. So here is, is something for you. You know, when we, we, we talk about how uh, you know the gaming industry is bigger than the movie industry. And it is. But where's the actual proof of that? Well, I think I've got some proof for you. Disney. Disney bought Pixar for $7.4 billion. They bought, let me get this right, the round the right way, Star Wars. For 4.5 billion. They then bought Marvel for 4 billion. That was actually before Star Wars, but still. So in total, that's about $15 billion there. You could spend your money on that, or you could spend just under that 12.7, not just, but still, 12.7 billion on Zynga. Now, I haven't heard the name Zynga since the Farmville days. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I had my, I had my time on Farmville back in the day on Facebook. I'm glad that one passed me by. <laughs> uh you know uh annoying people just please please come to my farm please come to my farm um (laughs) uh giving 99p to charity so i can get the exclusive seeds that are yellow well anyway zynga are still apparently a big deal even though farmville completely died on its ass with farmville 2 um they're actually quite big on the casino side of things now and um yeah they're, they're, they're still definitely a big name but just they haven't got that that, that 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 big name game like farmville anymore it's just but to the people out there that like doing gambling i'm sure they know who zynga is regardless they've been bought out by take two of all people 12.7 billion insane numbers insane numbers more than two of those three companies i mentioned earlier star wars pixar and marvel put together almost the same price as all three of them mad Mental money. I, I I get it, right? I mean, the singer are one of the pioneers for the mobile space and you know casual gaming market. But damn, that's a lot of cheddar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's all I can really say on that one because it's just wow. Yeah, like, you know, take two. They know they know how to make money. I mean, they've got Grand Theft Auto. Uh, they've been dealing against the likes of Tencent and what have you. But mm-hmm. this is the single largest largest monetary acquisition ever in video games. Yeah, it beats out Bethesda's acquisition of seven point five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So wow, 
Tencent acquired Clash of Clans Studio, uh, Supercell for $8.6 billion, and Activision Blizzard uh, uh, 2015 purchase of Candy Crush developer King for $5.9 billion. Uh, so this is astronomically higher, which is crazy because when I hear things like, oh, Candy Crush, oh, that must be a big one. Or I hear, uh, you know, the Clash of Clans, oh, that must be a big one. But Zynga, like, what have they got? That, that, that old um, uh, uh, Farmville. And I think they did Words of Friends as well, which always reminds me of Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah. <laughs> Inadvertent advertising there with Bazinga. Yeah. Strange. Strange, strange, strange. Yeah. Right. Oh, 0.7 billion. That is not a small amount of money, is it? Woo-wee. <clears throat> There's only really going to be Take-Two that buys that. Though. That's insane money. Anyway, keeping it with N64. Talked about the N64 a bit tonight. Yeah. Music artist Remute, who I've had the pleasure of speaking to a few times in the past, has uh, released some several albums on, on consoles. I think he did the uh, Mega Drive one and maybe a Super Nintendo one as well. Yeah, I've seen a few uh, albums released on NES carts and Mega Drive carts, so mm-hmm. N64 was the next logical step, I'd imagine. Absolutely. And he's gone and done it. Remute has released, uh, or is going to be releasing, um, a, music, a full album of music on an N64 cartridge. I look forward to carting my N64 round in my pocket uh, <laughs> with some RCA splitting headphones so I can really enjoy that. Yeah. And a, uh, and a big power bank to be able to power <laughs> an N64. It, 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 it's 100% a novelty. There's been a few things we chatted about tonight that are really, honestly, gimmicks. Um, but this this is a cool thing. This is a cool thing. I, I always find with Remute's music, I, I really hope he releases it as a, in a digital format as well, because even if I had an N64 wired up, the amount of times I'm actually honestly going to be listening to this through an N64 is minuscule at best. Yeah, but, um, I think it's neat. Uh, I love people using retro mediums, and it just feels a bit... This This just feels a bit too much like a gimmick for my liking. Not for you, then? No, not for me. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't plug a system into a TV just to listen to the the sounds it made. I, I it's got to. I've got to see stuff too. The last time I went really into this sort of thing, like where I, I set up an, a whole system to listen to a piece of music. There's two times actually. Um, I done it with Linkin Park's Reanimation because I had. I've got a special edition of that that plays in surround sound, and it's quite mind blowing listening to it in surround sound. It was a very short-lived new way of them releasing music where it makes you sound like you're in a live concert, but this was actually where reanimation has those little tiny pieces of music and the different instruments. You actually hear them all coming at you from different angles. It was really, really clever, but I've only ever done it once. Oh, and you um, from every side, yeah? Yes. Love the reference. <laughs> and uh, bringing up Lincoln Park a lot in this chat. Um, and uh, the only other time was there was a album by... Oh, I can't remember who it was. Basically, they released their album on four CDs. And the idea was you were supposed to play them on four separate CD players at the same time to get that kind of surround feel. Um, And I remember hearing about it and I was just like, yeah, really obscure. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put it all into into my Acid music program. Layer one, layer two, layer three, level four. Bang. Done. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to try and remember who that was that did that. can you what just can that? you imagine like sticking an album on thinking that you've got like oh go listen to this new artist and all you could hear is oboes <laughs> it was the flaming lips did that oh man yeah it sounds like something they'd do flaming lips four cd album let me see if i can find out what it was called and i, I didn't listen i didn't to be able to do it i had to sit on the stairs because we didn't have many cd players in the house but we had enough 
But we had to put some through the little DVD player in the living room and then the CD player in the living room. And I've got my, my PlayStation 2 up in my bedroom. So it was like a way of doing it like that. Or maybe the PlayStation 1, I can't remember who's doing it. Um, Zurika, I think the album was called. Here we go. That sounds like an awful lot of effort. Um, is the eighth studio album by American rock band The Flaming Lips released on uh, by Warner Brothers. Blah, blah, blah. Four CDs designed so that when you played simultaneously all four separate audio systems... They would produce a harmonic and juxtaposed, juxtaposed sound. Yeah, really bizarre. Here's the question. Is it on Spotify? I'll be interested uh, to find looking, out. I'm looking, I'm looking. When did they come out? Uh, 96 and 97. Right, oh, recorded okay. 96 96. Released in 97. Okay. And here's, uh, for people that are watching, here's a video of uh, Remute reenacting the Nintendo 64 advert, but he's opening his own uh uh, cartridge and you got a sm small snippet of the music yeah there we go hey it's a thing uh grizzly's not that bothered it's cool that it's happening but i'm in the same boat not really it's yeah flaming lips uh it's it's not on spotify from what i can say yeah there we go. well they they really they really took it all the way with that one they did so south park is coming back in video game form that was like a yes. weird like simpsons thing like coming back in park form simpsons did it road i went down um, and uh, this one's been made by the team behind the Magic Circle. Yes, um, which I, I, I've got to say, I don't really know what the Magic Circle is. <laughs> I've got some gameplay footage of it up here. It looks like a very, very abstract uh, uh, first-person shooter, kind of like a puzzly first-person game. Very, yeah. very obscure and weird, where you're playing with colours in the in, in the world, changing up things it's very odd very odd regardless they're making a new south park game and that's the end of that new segment there's nothing else to say except that i like south park games or at least the later ones they've done with 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 ubisoft um interested to see what comes next we don't know nothing about it except for the fact that it's being done yeah magic circle looks neat at all uh i'm very surprised that they would go with an independent developer over someone like ubisoft which did the uh past two games really really well i might add brilliantly well maybe for me, I felt like it was that first one. Was uh, the first one was the Stick of Truth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Stick of Truth was so groundbreaking that even though the second one was fantastic too, and I played it all the way through, it didn't get that. I, 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 I'd lost the impact by that point. Don't be wrong; it was still a fantastic game, but it wasn't like wow. I am literally playing an episode of South Park here. You know, I'm I, I held off playing the second one because I hadn't caught up with many seasons, and I didn't right, want to. Okay. Go in without the references, so maybe I should get round. Should give that one. A go. It's, it's funny. It, it's it's that typical South Park humor that only only South Park can get away. With. Yeah, uh, and it's all the way through. Um, oh man, I'm, I'm thinking back. There's so many highlights to that. There really is there's so many funny bits to to, to to both South Park games, Stick of Truth, and um, what was it called? Fractured Butthole. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> So good. Oh, so good. So yeah, it has just as many awesome moments as the first one. Um, yeah, really, really good game. But hey, there's a new one coming um, from a very obscure inde independent developer. Let's hope that they made the right choice with this. And yeah, I I'd like to think that they have. Worst comes worst, just we never can add know. it to the list of cancelled uh, South Park games, which is yeah. extensive. Quite big, quite big. From the yeah. very first to possibly this. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, we've already mentioned Konami doing their Castlevania NFT thing, so we're just going to move on from that. We've yeah. talked about NFTs at length in this one. Definitely. Which finally brings up to our final topic. 
and that is that Killer Instinct is coming to Arcade One Up. Not that big of a deal, except for the fact that this is their yeah. first full-sized cabinet. Yes. So as opposed to $350 for the typical size cabinet, you're paying $500 for a full size. And this is what I've wanted to see for so long. Um, mm -hmm. Now we just need to see cabinets which are easier to mod so we can actually enjoy proper you know, game libraries as opposed to four games on one cabinet. Um, so we knew about Killer Instinct a while ago. Uh, people who've been following the podcast will know that we've spoken about this one before. Um, but it is great to see a full standing cab and i just hope that they annoy everyone who's collected arcade one up so far by re-releasing everything in the larger format i don't understand why they couldn't have just done this in the first place but hey you know, yeah the, uh, shipping volumes and what have you I've, I've put up a little uh picture here from rgt85 um over on his instagram i saw this and i don't know like if i was someone that had collected arcade one ups um, yeah. I would be annoyed that, like you say, that now they're finally doing full-size ones because he's got a collection here of the normal ones. And I I don't they think they tiny. look good. They look tiny. Like I can imagine this would be a game room for a super-rich multimillionaire that he's built for his five, seven-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, they're so small. I think they look a little bit naff, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, right next to... so. Nearer to the back of that image, mm. you can see what looks like the II Arcade, um, which is like another thing that was talked about at CES this year because Dead Cells, a uh, modern roguelike game, is getting an arcade cabinet alongside 12 other games. That is comparatively, that's $600, yeah. if it is what I think it is. Um, and it's a full size, sized, like arcade one up concept. My God, it looks so much better. It really um, does. I mean, it hasn't it hasn't got the 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 exact uh, style of what the I'm I'm guessing the original cabinets looked like when they were doing with these arcade one ups. Although I can't imagine they all look like that. Um, uh, you know, they've all got seemed to have got the same design. I just, for me, like quarter arcades or a quarter of the price, and they're yeah. proper replicas, and they're 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 going for that person that wants to sit on a little counter and they can play it like this. I feel like I don't have to be on my knees to play all of these games, and that's just not going to be an enjoyable gaming experience. So. I, I see that Arcade One Up are doing the right thing. They're moving in the right direction. But how has it taken this long? Yeah, it's it, it boggles the mind. Um, I think the best things that Arcade One Up have come out with, apart from, say, the full-size cabinets that they're going to be working on or finishing up soon, are the wall-hanging cabinets. Have you seen those? Yes, I have, yes. Those those are a great cool. idea because you can set the height. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they, they're not trying to replicate the experience. They're creating a toy for the wall. Um, and I get that. I, I can appreciate that. But when mm. you're trying to say that this is an authentic arcade experience and then you all have to, like, you know, sit on Kneel down. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a bit silly, I've got to say. It's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. And it's only when I, I think um, another person, Oliver Harper, uh, recently put out a video and I saw it in the background of his room. Like, wow, they're actually really small. Yeah. They're actually really small. I mean, I know you can get the extenders. But then there are a couple of hundred quid more just to put literally wood underneath it to lift it up to the right height. And then and then you're you're totally moving away from the, the real arcade experience. Yeah. It's it's you just got a rickety thing then. Uh someone said in the chat, yeah, I have missed who it was now, but like you could probably sit down with a chair or something along those lines to play it, but you couldn't. Because you're gonna be really far away from the controls because your knees can't go <laughs> underneath the cabinet. Yeah. It's, I, it's, 
Yeah, we, Sweet. we've got one of these in the in the office. Uh, we got the Street Fighter Legacy Edition. Yeah, that's uh, which one includes of the, most the one, isn't it? Yeah, they've they added a bunch of extra games, and it was it's it's a really nice thing. But um, I guess the buttons are authentic enough because they got that hideous separation for that uh, the the six button layout. But genuinely, the even on the stand, I have to I have to really look down to be able to actually see what I'm doing in the game. Mm-hmm. And most of my time, most of the time, my head hits the marquee, which should never happen. Ever, no, that's that's up, that's up there, isn't it? When you're playing it, that that is right up there. Yeah, mental, mental. But hey, it's good they're doing it now. I do not own one arcade one-up system. I don't see myself ever really doing it, and I'm saying that uh, maybe just in case they do want to send me one, because I wouldn't mind having one off them if they do. But I, I don't like the idea of having an unofficial. I, when I say unofficial, I mean not the original, because they are official, obviously. Not the original hardware, and then only having one game on it. If I'm not having the original hardware, I'd get a main machine. Like, yeah. that's how I see it. Um, yeah. Because I don't have the space to be able to, and I, I can't imagine many people do, have the space to, 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 to fill up their, their, their gaming rooms or whatever with 50 arcade machines. Uh, I've seen videos of arcade one-ups offices where they've got them all lined up, and it looks freaking awesome. Um, yeah, they're all boosted up and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know any other setting really where that's going to work. Because if you do have the money to be able to have that sort of space and to do that sort of thing, wouldn't you just get the originals? Like for the most part, where you can, yeah, you're either going to get the original or you're going to get one that doesn't work. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. I understand like why you do it with Outrun because they've done an Outrun one. You know, oh, nice Outrun, sit down arcade cabinet. Let's mod that bad boy and put every retro super scalar type game that you can put in there. That would be freaking awesome. Um, but again, you'd need some serious space to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's um, but again, none of this is new information. None of this is new information. It's all quite just look at that little Simpson one down in the corner. It literally looks like you need to be sitting on the floor cross legged to play it. Interesting, yeah. So, right. so bizarre. very bizarre very bizarre but anyway guys uh that's nothing against rgt85 he's been a supporter of the channel and uh you know he, he, he's a nice guy and all that but um yeah uh, hey i just saw that picture and i was like you know i'm gonna bring that up in the podcast arcade one up are doing a full-size one now and they're starting with killer instinct um i'm sure if they started with uh super street fighter uh, the, the sorry the street fighter games it would sell like hotcakes and probably upset a lot of their community as well so maybe they shouldn't do that yeah. But anyway, guys, I mean that's the end of the uh, the podcast right there. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I you thought know, that was going to be really we've... quick, but we got we got some really good good discussions going on. Yeah, we've easily hmm. doubled last week, but hey, you know that's the extra value we'd like to provide to you guys. So mm. Yeah, hope you like it. <laughs> don't take anything I've said out of context, guys. Please, please, <laughs> I don't love any. T- don't love NFTs. He loves NFTs. He's a big fan of Logan Paul. And retro, uh, retro RGT. GT, uh, yeah, RGT. he's uh, he's gunning for you. So um, <laughs> I hope that's the trifecta we were all looking for by the end of this episode. I'm running the outro right now. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Slope's Cast, the retro gaming news show with myself, DJ Slope, and my co-host, Grizzly Cryden, recorded live on Twitch every single Tuesday night. If you want to listen in live, then make your way over to twitch.tv forward slash Slope's Game Room at 9pm UK time, 1pm Pacific Standard Time, and 4pm Eastern Standard Time. And as stated, if you want to be in a chance to be on a future episode, then please do consider supporting the show on Patreon or as a YouTube member. And finally, if you do have any news stories for us then please do feel free to drop them in the dedicated rooms over on discord at discord.gg forward slash slopes game room and until next time guys this is dj slope signing out and hopefully i'll see you all next time